Alan Girding here with the Tuesday Night Podcast. Listen, our 100th episode is coming up soon, and that feels like it's a big deal to us. The big one zero zero. Not only will that be a zero episode where we recap, but we want to make it special. How do we make it the specialist special 100th episode any podcast has ever podcasted before in the existence of podcasting? We don't know. We want your ideas, so please send us all your Nave Tonight submissions, send us your ideas and how to make the 100th episode special. Just send us your questions and your comments. We want as much interaction as possible. So again, you, yeah, you, the person listening to this right now, stop what you're doing, grab your dumb smartphone, and record a dumb smart freaking Nave Tonight submission. Just a story for two to ten minutes. What was a horrible experience around the gaming table? What was a wonderful experience? What was a really whatever experience? Just let us know. And better yet, let us know how you want us to do our 100th episode. So please, email us, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Spelled with a K. That's right, Captain. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. It's the podcast about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and under our tables. I'm talking board games, table talk, if you will. I'm Alan Girding, and with me is the love of my board gaming uh, business love life, Sean McCoy. Bonjour. <laughs> it's Sean McCoy. Je m'appelle Sean. I don't know French, but I think I need to start brushing up because I'm going to Canada. Real soon. We, oui, we. Oui. But I think not that part of Canada, because from my understanding, most of the French Canadian is in the Montreal area, Montreal, which seems to be the eastern side. Quebec, we. Oui. But I'm I'm going to Vancouver for sharks. Woo! And that's the first week in October, and that's coming up. Oh man, Sean, you gonna go with me? I'm not going with you. Yeah, I noticed. Left me hanging. <laughs> You are going to have so much fun. Paul Dean posted on my Facebook today. I will not hear from him. And then he'll say something like, is this the official Facebook fan page for Sean McCoy? Is this where I can find the nudes? Where do I click to get the nudes? Hashtag nudes. <laughs> so <laughs> I, <laughs> That's Paul. So yeah, that's, that's Paul. Paul. I'll have to send him some glamour shots when you go up there. <laughs> oh, man. I would love for us to have a picture taken together. Prom pick. I would love for you and me, Sean, to get glamour shots of prom pics, to do the awkward pose of just the hands on the hips and looking into the camera and smiling. We'd have to go to a mall. That's where all great photography is done, is in studios in malls. <laughs> and it's getting harder and harder to find. But yeah, we should get some childhood like, oh, I'm wearing a leather jacket and a leather hat. We've got the cloudy background. <laughs> just some awful. One foot up on a motorcycle. <laughs> ABC blocks. <laughs> On the ground. Giant crayons. I want the one that is actually taken at prom, though, with the balloons, mm-hmm. the balloon float archway in the background. It's got the year, giant numbers, <laughs> 2017. I think it would be better if it was also the controversial one where you're totally pregnant and you're looking back at <laughs> yep. me over your shoulder and we have love in our eyes, even though it's just our prom pic. What Regret. are we doing? What is... 
What are you talking about? We gotta get to work. <laughs> it's it's a really busy time. You want me to go through uh, what's going on in the calendar? Yeah, re- read the to-do list for our audience. Well, for this episode, here's our to-do list. The first on the to-do list is talk about our to-do list. Coming up soon is September 19th. And you know what's special about September 19th? That's not shucks, is it? That is not shucks. No. I don't know what it is. It's Talk Like a Pirate Day, <laughs> which means next episode Yar. is going to be a Captain Chessbeard episode. He's been really missing coming on the show. He hasn't been on the show much. And he specifically requested a guest, Gil Hova. So Gil Hova is going to be on next episode. We can take a week off, Sean. It'll be pretty nice. That sounds awesome. I hope the captain is up to it. I hope so, too. I always worry about his voice. Because it sounds like that voice would really hurt his vocal cords. But I'm glad he doesn't really have to talk for his job, unlike me, a teacher who has to talk all day. So I hope the captain doesn't blow out his vocal cords, but I guess it's okay if he does. I just know I wouldn't want that fate. That's next episode. But the last weekend of September, Captain Chessbeard's busy again. Captain Chessbeard has been commissioned to go to Ravenwood Castle to officiate a wedding. Did you hear about this? No, this is separate from your other Ravenwood Castle duties. Yes, because in the last week in October, I'm going to host the Mad Professor's Hollow Wicked Weekend at Ravenwood Castle. That's the last weekend in October. But in the last weekend of September, Captain Chessbeard was asked to officiate at a wedding. Some crazy kids decided to get crazy married, commissioned Captain Chessbeard, for their medieval wedding to be their officiant. Wow. Yeah. It's quite an honor. Yeah. Captain Chessbeard showed me the wedding invitation and it's medieval attire. And please, everyone, if you can, bring a metal sword. A metal sword. Yes, a met- very specific. Not just a sword, but a metal sword. I think they just wanted to prevent people from bringing Nerf foam swords. I think that they needed to prevent it enough that they had to specify. It wasn't like, should we put sword? Pe- people know what we mean when we say sword, right? And they're like, I don't know. Better put metal sword to be safe. <laughs> That's right. We don't want any safety in this wedding because we're getting married and there's nothing safe about that. Then right after that is the first weekend in October, which is shucks where I get to hang out with all the Shut Up and Sit Down crew. But oh my goodness, I have to tell you, it's going to be super busy because basically they said there's this loft area, which is off of the main convention area, right next to the restaurant. I don't know what it looks like. And they said, you can have that to do what you want pretty much the entire time. They pretty much said, run two rooms and a boom for three days straight, would you? (laughs) So... (laughs) Tickets. I said, whoa, 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 I have other games beside two rooms and a boom. So I'll be playtesting for hours on end the latest version of Fairy Tale Betrayal, which went over pretty well at Gen Con. Also going to be playing some Thingy and some other secret prototypes. But also I put in a bid to do an hour-long kind of TED Talk about the psychology of why we play board games. And I'll talk about the psychological needs that board games fulfill and why we actually sit down and come to the table. And then last but not least, the last week in October, Halloween weekend, as we mentioned before, going to Ravenwood Castle. So pretty much I'm working my ass off preparing for these things. So wish me luck. What about you, Sean? What's going on with you on your schedule? 
On my schedule, while we have the Necrobimicon replacements are coming in very soon, so I'm about to have to ship all of those out, which is very exciting. Nice. We have contracts out to license our games in some other countries, which has been very exciting as well. And we have the third edition Tombs in a Boom. It's getting close to shipping, which would be nice. Hopefully it'll be here right in time for the holiday season which is always good for us, as well as moving forward on some of our other games. And then that big unslayable beast thus far, Boomer Doom. Oh, man. Oh, man. We're trucking along, though. I would venture to say 90% of our listeners didn't know us when we launched Boomer Doom. I would say most people listening to this right now have no idea what Boomer Doom is, unless they paid close attention because we mentioned it twice before on this podcast. Boomer Doom is our first Kickstarter project ever, still unfulfilled. It's a documentary about us doing Two Rooms in a Boom, running the Kickstarter, fulfilling it. And we have all the footage, and we've organized it, and we've split it up into videos and fulfilled most of our rewards. Some people might have a commercial or two that need to be done as rewards, but... With how big terms of a boom got and how delayed that was, that put a kink in our schedule and then Russian roulette right on the heels. We just haven't had time where things have been stable enough to devote the amount of resources it requires to sort of edit essentially a feature length film. But now we do. Things have calmed down with Necromumicon shipping and everything to where we're putting more and more resources towards that. So that's something, if you've never heard about before, I think it's going to be really fun. Because if you're into getting a peek behind the scenes, logistically, emotionally, just what happens in the world of designing and publishing games. I mean, this has it all, right? It's got our troubles with manufacturing. It's got design, playtesting, going to trade shows. It's got me going to China. We actually get an inside look at a panda factory. It's got everything. So I think it'll actually be really fun once it's done. But whoo! It was a big project. It's been a big project. It's our documentary and our biggest mark of shame. It's going to make our YouTube channel viable. So I'm excited to see if people actually start looking at our YouTube channel because there's pretty much nothing on there. We have videos on there of our Newsday night updates where I teach people how to play some games. But I'm excited to see who tunes in and how many views we get. I think it's a win-win if nobody really looks like, all right, well, we got this done. We finally fulfilled our promises for this first Kickstarter. But if a whole bunch of people start watching it, of course, that's cool, too, because that work is somehow rewarded by viewership. It's really cool. I'm excited. You know what else is really exciting? No. I have fiber optic internet now. Is it nice? Can you tell a difference? Yeah. Yeah, I can tell a difference. The biggest difference I can tell is when I upload episodes of the podcast. Because before I'd have to wait 10 minutes. Now, seriously, it's five seconds. It's like, boop, done. Like, holy. It's so funny. It's such an experiential difference. 10 minutes is like, oh, I got to wait around or whatever. It's happening in the background. And five seconds is it's happening in front of you. But when you say it out loud, it definitely seems ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like, man, it used to be 10 minutes. Now it's five seconds. I mean, that is a huge jump. Then again, it's only 10 minutes. It's not like, yeah. oh, man, I used to have to wait 24 hours to pirate an episode of Trigun when I was in high school. And now I can get the whole season in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, Louis C.K. does this bit about people complaining about airlines. Man. Can't believe the lines and airlines. Like, what are you kidding? You're in the air. You know how long it would have taken you? You could have left from one side of the country to the other before airplanes. It would be a different generation arriving in the West Coast by the time you actually got there. People would die to get from one side of the country to the other. And now you're looking at a few hours and you're complaining about it. So I see what you're saying. Perspective. 
keeping it real. It feels huge. Like, you're not complaining. You're talking about how wonderful it is, right? So I think there's a big difference if you'd been like, oh, it used to take five seconds. Now it takes 10 minutes. It's like, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Well, I always wanted to do YouTube videos as well. In fact, I started uploading podcast episodes up into YouTube, but it was insane because I would have to leave the computer running overnight because it would literally take hours for an episode to upload onto YouTube. Woohoo! Hey, if you want me to upload the episodes of Boomer Doom onto YouTube, just Dropbox it to me. I'll download it <laughs> and then I'll upload it onto YouTube for you using my fiber optic internet. <laughs> uh, ready for some interaction satisfaction? Let's hear it. What do we got? Howdy. It's time for interaction satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. One question asking for advice from Vincent LeBaron. He writes, I'm taking a cycle tour through Chile and Argentina. We both... He never mentions who the we is, so I assume he's not cycling alone. But anyways, he says, We both love games, and there is going to be a lot of downtime. We need games that are basically good for two players, have super high replayability, and because we're carrying everything on our bikes, it needs to be relatively compact. We're not trying to break a speed record so we can bring games larger than Love Letter. So right now, I'm thinking about Duel, because it can go up to four players and it's easy to teach, and Nutrunner, although I've never played it. Any other recommendations? Thanks for writing in, Vincent, and hopefully the rest of you do by writing in at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. But Sean, let's talk about two-player games that are relatively compact with high replayability. It's pretty nice that he already shouted out Duel. That's nice. I love Duel. You should too. If you're listening at home. Duel is infinite replayable, in my opinion. Again, with Duel, you think, man, I feel like I could break this game. There's a strategy that would always win, but everyone thinks that, and no one's been able to come up with it yet. And I think that adds to the replayability. And I think high replayability is one of those things I really seek in games. A game that, once you play, you say, again! And then once you play, again! And the game that stands out in my mind first is Dominion. The first time I played Dominion, I thought, oh my goodness, this deck building mechanic is awesome. I want to play again and again and again until I had been playing for hours on end. So speaking of which, here's my first recommendation outside of Duel Netrunner. A deck building game that's relatively small, simple for two players, which is, what do you think the deck building game I'm going to say is, Sean? Star Realms? Yep. Star Realms is the go-to. Simple, mainstream, and yet... Portable. Super portable. Yes. How about you? I, I was going to say Star Realms as well. The cool thing about playing a two-player game with the same person over and over again is the mind games, is, is the continuity, remembering what they did last game and then deliberately doing something to avoid what they did last game, right? You get to know the player. Yeah. I think that's actually where Duel shines, is if you play three or four or five games in a row, you're remembering like, oh, no, wait, last time you didn't have that, and you sort of play these mind games or fake each other out. So Star Realms has that deep strategy, simple to play, but also, I mean, it's two decks of cards. It fits in your backpack, no problem. I think all the classics, Go, Chess, or this uh, Chinese chess variant that I love called Catch the Lion, which has very, very few pieces, I think are great for that same reason, which is that if you're going to be playing with somebody over and over and over again, you want it to be simple, and they make portable versions of these games. Now, I know you didn't probably come here to say like, oh yeah, play chess. 
but there's a reason it's popular in that regard, right? You can slip into your backpack. The other one that I think maybe gets missed is, uh, Alan, there's a million variants of this, but a lot of people call it washer toss. Have you heard of that? No. Sounds like we're tossing washers, like the actual washers. It is. Exactly. Yeah. Bullets and nuts. Yeah. So like you get like a, an, an inch in diameter washer, right? With a hole in the middle. I learned this in Boy Scouts because a lot of guys would wear it as a necklace. They'd have just like a regular metal bead necklace. I like, don't think I knew you were in Boy Scouts. You were in Boy Scouts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was all the way up to the one below Eagle, Life Scout. And then, you know, became a teenager and life took over and never knocked that final one out. But yeah, I was a Boy Scout. I was a Cub Scout, got out there you go. before Boy Scouts. I got my arrow of light yep. and then arrowed my way out of there. <laughs> but go on. So washers. Well, a lot of guys would wear them around their neck. They'd wear a washer on a necklace, right? The reason was because they wanted to play a game. It's kind of like can jam or horseshoes or beanbag toss where you take like a coffee can, dig a hole in the ground, put the coffee can in it, and then you take turns tossing washers, you know, from a certain distance away. And you get points for getting in the hole, right next to the hole, leaning on the hole, that kind of stuff. Now, there's all sorts of like regional variants of this game. But what I like about it is if you're thoughtful enough to put two or three washers in your backpack or on a necklace, you can make a can out of anything, right? Like you can cut open a beer can or or just dig a little hole in the ground and all of a sudden you have this dexterity game that you can play with new people, young people, old people, people you just met on the street. It's kind of a game in and of itself being like, hey, you think we could play washer toss here? And so I like that, that dexterity game like shuffleboard. You know, you can't take shuffleboard with you everywhere, but these are the types of games that you can get better at over the course of an entire trip if you play it a lot. Now, you probably can't play that on a plane or in a train, but I think it's one of those things that's easy to put in your backpack and forget about. Are you vain? Are you insane? In a plane? In a train? I don't believe you. You Anyway, it's funny that you mentioned that because... I have some games on my list are kind of yard games as well. But as a side note, I never understood the corn stalking craze that all of a sudden happened, I think a decade ago now. And also I'm way too immature to enjoy the name corn stalking. No, I called it corn stalking. Corn holing. I don't understand corn holing or where they came up with that name. But if anybody knows why they call it corn holing... I'd love to know, so please write us in. Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com Is this the game where you make the okay sign? Is that what you're talking about? Cornholing? What? You don't know about cornholing? Maybe it's a regional thing and I don't realize because... Well, you get a lot of corn up there. Maybe that's it, but it has nothing to do with corn. It's basically two boards set up at an angle, probably like a 35 degree angle. You put them about 20 yards apart, maybe 30 yards apart. I don't know. There's probably an official distance. And then each one of them has a hole in the middle. And then each team gets three bean bags. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they just toss the bean bags and you get points for making it onto the board. The big winner is getting the bag into the hole. But you can't transport cornholing with you on a bike ride. So I don't know why I'm talking about it. It's fun. I guess so. Yeah, cornholing's not bad. I guess it's better than nothing, but my favorite yard game is Can Jam. Mm -hmm. Have you played Can Jam? Yeah, in fact, earlier when I was like researching this list, I thought Washer Toss was Can Jam, and I googled Can Jam, and I was like, no, this is that other thing that Alan has. What's it called? Washer Game Throw? (laughs) So yeah, I have heard of Can Jam. You want me to elevator pitch Can Jam? Sure. I can do that in like 10 seconds. No, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, what do you want me to be for Can Jam? Uh, Why don't you be Elmer Fudd? Oh, boy. Oh, I I don't know if I can use 
silly rabbit, or, oh, I'm trying to summon my Emma Flood. This is probably as good as it's going to get. I don't... <laughs> what, what does he usually say? He says, oh, dear, I don't know about... Okay, all right, here we go. Um, ding me, SBJ. <laughs> There's two teams of two, and this is my Elmer Fudd sucks. You have a frisbee, and the frisbee is where it's at. So there's a can, like a small garbage can, but there's a switch in the garbage can. What you do is you throw the frisbee at the can, and your teammate helps slam it into the can. So you you get points if you get the frisbee in the can. But if you miss and the other person's teammate catches the frisbee, that's no good. Then you don't get points. So throw the frisbee, but your teammate gets to assist. First one to 21 points wins, but you have to get 21 points exactly because if you don't, then you go down to 17 points? I don't know. I don't remember. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> that rascally rabbit keeps on jumping in my can jam. Painful. <laughs> <laughs> Just painful. It's tough. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know why we do this to ourselves, but <laughs> that's can jam. It's fun because it's basically playing frisbee and you're working on accuracy, but you can get help from your teammate. When you're not even throwing the disc, you feel like a kung fu master because you have to whack the frisbee into the can. You're not allowed to catch it and throw it down. So one strategy is you just stand right over the can and you have your teammate throw the frisbee right at your face instead of trying to toss it into the can and you just go slam. If you manage to get the frisbee in the little slot, it's an automatic win. So imagine, I don't know, a slot that's just big enough for a frisbee to fit into. That's can jam. That's my favorite yard game. Can you take it with you on a bike? No, you need the official cans. The cans have an official slot in it and certain size. I would say just bring a Frisbee, but I think we're straying from the whole tabletop games thing once I say Frisbee, because I think you know me and Frisbee. I love Frisbee. I've spent way too much of my life playing Ultimate Frisbee. I think this also strays a little bit from tabletop games, but I think it's a perfect game for any amount of people, particularly on road trips. And there's a ton of different app versions of it, so it makes it really easy. But they're dark stories or astronaut stories, which if you don't know, they're prompts like so-and-so is hanging from the rafters and there's a puddle of water underneath them. What happened here? And you get, like, this very small amount of information. I think we've talked about it on the show before. He hanged himself in an ice block, Sean. He hanged himself in an ice block. Is that the correct answer? No, it's not. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it is. Ah, you. <laughs> you were just so excited. I know. It's hard to find an astronaut question that I haven't heard of because my family was obsessed with them. We actually played Dark Stories. It's one of those rare games we can actually play on the podcast. Uh-huh. And I was realizing the other day when I was on a road trip with Lindsay that I would like to have it. I looked around and, of course, there's a bunch of app versions of it. A bunch of them are free. And you only need so many, you know. Uh, you could even Google it on websites. But the app versions, they have, like, a bunch of answers for you and they have good explanations. They're all awful. Tuesday Night Games probably could make a better one, which would be nice. My wife has been stuck on the same one for years now. Is this the one with the table that's shorter? <laughs> yes, it is, Sean. <laughs> that's funny. I could see how somebody could get stuck on that one for a long time. I don't even think we got the answer right. No, but she is way too stubborn to give up. She's in too deep. Yeah, yeah. 
So there's also the component list games, which I wanted to mention. Mind Meld and Three Thirds of a Ghost. And here's a pitch for our YouTube channel. If you want to know how to play Mind Meld and Three Thirds of a Ghost, check out the Tuesday Night Games channel on YouTube, and I teach you how to play it with my wife. Mind Meld, we played on here. I played it on the Mother's Day episode with my mom. And then Three Thirds of a Ghost is a word game where you each take turns spelling a word. You have to put in a letter, but you don't want to be the person to finish spelling the word. That's a real bad explanation. Hopefully enough to tease you into watching the videos on the Tuesday Night Games YouTube channel. And the last little recommendation I had, I just got from Ape Games, I kickstarted this, Dark is the Night. And this is a small portable game that's two players. But imagine this, Sean. Imagine you're playing a game on a tic-tac-toe board, three by three grid, nine spaces. One of you plays the part of the hunter and the other plays the part of the monster in the darkness. The darkness is the 12 spaces surrounding the outside of the board. Imagine that if you were in the tic-tac-toe board and you went one space outside, that would be the darkness. And the darkness spaces are numbered as well. The hunter can only walk within the tic-tac-toe board and the middle space doesn't count because that's the campfire that's lighting up the area so you can't go into the darkness. Now you actually only have eight spaces. You just go around the campfire. The object of the game is the hunter's trying to kill the monster and the monster's trying to kill the hunter. How do you do that? On your turn, you always have to move if you're the monster or if you're the hunter. If you are adjacent to your enemy and you attack into their space, you win the game. The thing is, the hunter can't see the monster, but the hunter gets special abilities like an arrow where they can shoot all the way across the board like a rook in chest. They also can instead shoot the arrow through the fire, permanently lighting up a spot. So anytime the monster goes into that spot, then the monster can be seen. The hunter also gets one meat lure. The hunter also gets a bell trap. The monster keeps track of where they're at on this little dial that just goes one through 12. Anyway, basically hunter moves, monster moves, hunter move, monster moves. You move and then do an ability. Attack is one of the abilities. And it's a real small simple cat and mouse game. In fact, I'm realizing I'm a dumbass because it's easier to play than it was to teach. I think you could have played a game in the amount of time it took me to explain. <laughs> it has a totally different feel based on who you are because if you're the monster, you have perfect information. You know where you are and you know where the hunter is, but you're still kind of scared as the monster because you're thinking, oh my God, if he shoots the arrow into that spot right now, I'm toast. But if you're the hunter, you have no idea and you're nervous as hell. So there's a good tension there and there's a good cat and mouse feel if the mouse also had a bow and arrow. What's the name of this game again? Dark is the Night. It sounds fun. Dark is the Night. I, I saw a video of Daniel Solis. He's the graphic designer for the game. I saw him designing the logo and it looks really cool. Yeah, it's super light. It's tight. Makes you want to play again and again. Like, oh, I think I'm figuring this out. Yep. That's what I have. So, Vincent, thank you so much for writing in. I hope this answers your question. Let's wrap it up. Keep it nice and tight. We got lots to do. So, I'm Alan Gerding. You can find me on the tweets and the Facebook. A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. If you want to follow the podcast and our company, Tuesday Night Games, follow us on Twitter at PlayTKG. And again, if you want to write in, please write in at podcast at Tuesday Night Games. Dot com. Sean? You can find me on Twitter at, at Sean McCoy, S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. And with that being said, I believe this episode is... 
Finish. <laughs> oh, that's more like Porky Pig. Yeah, that's Porky Pig. Elmer Fudd has that like, it's like in the back of your throat. Uh, 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 finished. Why, Scooby, why, man?